What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Now that was a worship service, amen? amen? I don't know about y'all, but I needed it. I needed that pretty bad. I had a, I don't want to say I had a rough day, but I had a headache all day and it was just like gloomy all day and that didn't help things none. And when I got here, it left. It's just amazing what church will do, right? <laughs> Fellowship and just being around the Spirit. Well, anyway, let me welcome the online audience. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I am Pastor Brett, the Associate Pastor here at Next Level Freedom Church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're going to be continuing on in our series we've been in, The Attributes of Jesus. Tonight we're going to be talking about, I was going to call this Jesus the Miracle Worker. But I think I'm going to call it Jesus the Miraculous, because he did so many miraculous things. And does anybody anybody still believe in miracles? Yeah. Amen. Amen. I mean, if you don't believe in them, stick around because you're going to see them. I mean, God God does God's been doing miracles here at the church. I mean, and it's not always the always these flashy things that makes everybody turn their heads sometimes it's just something in a, per, a personal to a person's life that they may not look at as miraculous but god's doing miracles in all of our lives and we need to acknowledge the fact that he's doing those things because there's too much junk going on in the world right yeah. too much evil taking place in this world i gotta pull these sleeves up i'm warm tonight but so i got to looking and doing a little digging and i found out well at least this is what one thing on the online said is there's at least 38 miracles that Jesus performed in the New Testament. I thought that'd be a little higher. But I guess if you're if you're not adding like the you know like from the gospels the same the same one, you know. But so at least 38 miracles, right? So there may be more than that, but so today we're just going to talk about a couple of them. And I've went through and I've picked out a couple that I like that I find interesting and God began to show me a few things about them. So might look at them a little different than what you're norm, uh, used to. So anyway, the whole point of this series was to get us to look at the attributes of Jesus, as in who he is, the things that he does, and get us to realize that everything that we've talked about so far, he continues to do in our lives on a daily basis. It's not who he was, it's who he is. These are the attributes of him. This is who he is, the things that he does on a daily basis that most people just forget about. They get so used to God just blessing them. Isn't that a terrible thing? That we get so used to him just blessing us that we forget to acknowledge that he's blessing us? I mean, that's one of the things that I look and, you know, I don't live in a mansion or anything like that, but I've got... I got a home, I got a job, my wife's got a job, and we've got vehicles to get us where we need to go. And I mean, those are materialistic things, but he blessed me with those things. And you know, and there, there's so many things that we can look at to say, look at how he's blessed us. Look at the things that he's done. So t- 
tonight we're going to get into just a few of those miracles. Up first, Jesus walks on the water. Amen. So we are going to be in Matthew 14, 22 through 33. So got a little bit of reading tonight, but that's all right because that's what it's about. It's about his word, not my words, his words. So verse 22 says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against him. Don't you love how Jesus does things? You know, I've been watching The Chosen and over again. I've watched it once, and now I'm watching it again. And I'm seeing the things like, it's like Jesus is always a thousand steps ahead of his disciples. Like, he's already got everything planned out. And the, reading through that makes me think about that. He's like, y'all go out on the boat. Like, he already had everything planned. You know, he's like, I'm going to stay behind and pray. I'm going to let y'all get in some serious trouble out there, and then I'm going to mess with you. I'm going to have a little fun with you. <laughs> I mean, that's not what he was doing, but that's what it kind of looks like sometimes. But anyway, uh, and in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. <sighs> Come on, you're with the son of God. You're worried about a ghost, right? If they haven't learned something by now, <laughs> right? So they all cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. A little bit of faith happening right there, wasn't there? He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. He knew exactly what to do, didn't he? He knew who to cry out to. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Probably because he's sunk and the waves are crashing against him and he's scared for his life. He thinks he's going to drown. And that, that's why. You know, in our own minds, we're like, well, that's why, Jesus. You know, like We know that Jesus knew the answer to that. But Jesus is saying, you're with me. Why are you fearing these natural things? You're with me. I'm with you. Stop fearing the natural things. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now, anybody that can walk on water, talking about Jesus at this point, is probably a person that's worth following. I mean, that's somebody that's going places, <laughs> right? <laughs> You know, it makes me think of back to the future where we're going. We don't need roads, you know, but that's kind of like an ancient way of looking at it. They're walking on water. But so anybody that can walk on water is probably worth following. They're probably worth looking into saying, what's going on with this guy? So that's a person that believes they can do anything. That's a person that knows they can do anything. So you had the disciples following somebody that knew who he was, knew what he could do and was doing it. If Jesus can walk on water, don't you think he can lead you through your life's problems? Amen. So why do we try to solve so many of our own problems? I do it on a daily basis. I'm constantly trying to figure out bills. I'm trying to figure out, you know, the kids and all of this other stuff. And I have, you know, we mature as we grow up, right? We're supposed to anyway. We mature in the Lord as we grow 
and I am sad. I'm sad to say this, but I'm finally getting it to a point in my life where I'm like, I don't worry about so many things anymore. I'm just like, you know what? I have no idea where that money's coming from, God. And when the day shows up and the money's still not there, I'm just going to trust in you to get it there by the end of the day. You know, like I, I just have no idea sometimes how he's going to do things. And I'll rack my brain over it trying to figure it out. And I never come up with an answer until it's like, oh, there it is. And you know it came from God. We've got to stop believing. And, and I, that word that I gave last week, we've got to stop running ahead of him and start following after him, letting him go before us. Letting him fight them battles. Let, you know, let, if we follow him, we'll rock right past that stuff. And we've got to realize that, that we can do that in him. That's what he wants us to do. Jesus is not going to let you sink. He's not going to let you sink. And it, sometimes it may feel like, man, you're down in the water and you got your hand up and nobody's grabbing a hold of it. But that's because you've put yourself in a place that you never had to be. But I guarantee you that if you will, if, if you're drowning and you're sinking or you feel like you're down in the depths, he's not going to let you sink. He's not going to let you sink. Peter took his eyes off of him and Jesus still reached out. What's it say in, in 1 John? If we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Amen. So Peter took his eyes off of Jesus for a time. We've all done that. Don't sit there and say we haven't because we all have at one point in time. We've got in ourselves and thought we could do something ourselves. Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, and Jesus still reached down and grabbed a hold of him. In the midst of Peter's probably worst problem ever, he's in, the, he's in the sea. The waves are crashing and roaring. There's probably thunder and lightning. There's all wind blowing, all kinds of crazy stuff going on around him. Jesus still reached his hand out. But Peter knew where to stick his hand. He trusted that Jesus was going to pick it up. You see... I don't think the miracle was Jesus walking on water. Jesus was God in the flesh. If he wanted to walk on water, he's going to walk on water. If he wanted to walk on air, he could have walked on air. I believe it. I think that the miracle was Peter walking on the water because of the lessons that we're getting from that. Peter is the miracle here. Because it showed us that with Jesus, we can do anything. If Peter can walk on water, I guarantee you, if Jesus wants me to walk on water, I'll walk on water. The miracle is Peter stepping out of the boat, stepping out into something that he knew was not normal. It wasn't right for him to be able to step out and to walk onto that water. But he did it anyway. It's miraculous what he did. Peter couldn't walk on water until he trusted Jesus. And you'll never walk through your circumstance until you truly trust Jesus. That miracle that you're looking for is not going to come until you completely trust wholly and fully in him. Just like Peter had to. Peter had to reach his hand out. You're too busy trying to handle it yourself that you're forgetting to reach your hand out. Put your hand up to God and let him grab a hold of it. Peter couldn't walk on water until he trusted Jesus. And even though he fell, Jesus was right there. And see, that's the, that's the thing that we forget so many times is that he's there. Why do we for, If we believe in a Savior that came and died on a cross and was resurrected, if we truly believe in that, 
then why aren't we walking in it like we're supposed to? Why don't we believe that Jesus can help us through this whole situation? I don't understand that. Let's go to John chapter 2. Let's move on. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And I just watched this on The Chosen. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And I love this. And Jesus said to her, woman, what's that got to do with me? My hour has not yet come. I just love the way. I mean, it's a cultural thing, you know, but I just love the way that he said it. Woman, what business is it of mine? But anyway, his, and this is the part that I like too. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So the time for mama asking Jesus to do something was over. She basically said, you're going to do it because she walked away and said, y'all do what he tells you and walked away from the situation. She knew mama was going to get what mama wanted. And that's just amazing to me that here, here Jesus is, God in the flesh, the son of God, right? And he's obeying his mother. He's honoring his mother. It's just such an awesome thing to see that. But anyway, now there were six stone jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw out some and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from. Though the servants who draw the water, drew the water, had, uh, who had drawn the water knew. Let me get a drink, guys. I'm sorry. I'm getting... <clears throat> getting dry mouth up here can't read <clears throat> the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him everyone serves the good wine first and when people have drunk freely then the poor wine but you have kept the good wine until now <clears throat> this is this the first of his signs jesus did at cana and galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him I find this miracle so fascinating. Number one, it's really the first one, right? This is what kicked off Jesus' ministry. This is the first thing that happened. And this, I found this so fascinating as I was reading this. Maybe y'all have looked at it like this before, but I haven't. The very first thing that Jesus did was he changed one thing into another thing. This is exactly what he does with us. He takes us from one thing and turns us into another thing. And I was like, man, God, that is good. That's what he does. Jesus changes things. He makes things better. He didn't turn the wine into water. Right? He took something as ordinary. Now, don't get me wrong. Water is life-giving. I understand that. But he took something that's just plain water. And he turned it into something that tasted amazing to them. Oh, come on. Y'all ain't hearing me tonight. Think about it right now. What did he do for Pastor Brett? He took somebody that was, that was just, just plain, just, just, just a nobody. And he turned him in to somebody that could be used for him. What did he do for you? Come on now. He turned that water into wine. He took you from something that was that didn't taste very good, that wasn't appealing to the world, and he turned you into something that can now reach millions of people where you couldn't do anything before. 
Where is your circumstance? What has he blessed you with? What has he done in your life? Has he took you from point A in your job to now you're at point P in your job because of God's blessing? You started out here without God, and now look where you are with God. He turned the water into wine. He made it something amazing. He literally took one substance into another substance. One creation and made it a new creation in him. Amen? He changed something normal and made it something great. How much more can he change us into more than we've ever dreamed of? I say, I say that a lot because I know I see people and they look down on themselves and they think that they're, that they're absolutely nothing. And you know what? In some ways we are. But it's him that makes us holy. It's him that makes us what we are. We're more than we could ever think that we are in God's eyes. It's not that I'm special. It's that he sees me as somebody special. He loves me regardless of my downfalls. He loves you regardless of the junk that you're in. And he's willing to turn you from water into wine. That's the real miracle. I bet it was amazing to turn water into wine and to see that. I bet everybody was just, wow, they hit the floor, those that knew about it but had no idea what he was about to do to the whole world starting at that very moment. He can take you from your present circumstance and turn you into the best tasting wine this world has ever seen. He can turn you into the best tasting thing this world has ever tasted, got a hold of, and you will change the lives of millions of people because he has changed you, not because of anything you did. You could work your whole life to make your circumstance better and wind up flat broke sitting on your butt somewhere in a shack and having absolutely nothing. But the moment you give it to him, amen, I'll let y'all preach it. You are not beyond hope redemption or salvation you're not if we go through the scriptures and we look at the types of people that he went to and performed miracles on i believe he had every one of them set up in place it's amazing to to read the scriptures and to see it you are not beyond hope redemption or salvation he will take your circumstance and change it into something better he is a miracle worker that you're looking for That miracle that you're seeking right now, he's the one that's got it. He's the one that's going to give it to you. Stop trying to do it yourself. Stop trying to figure everything out yourself and just say, all right, God, here it is. I can't do it. Turn it into wine for me. And he'll do it. People always say, you ever hear this? It's going to take a miracle to see that person get saved. It's going to take a miracle for that person to change. If they walked in the church doors, I bet the roof would collapse on them, right? Everybody heard that? We see that. We hear that kind of stuff all the time. I've heard people uh, where I work say that. All the while, if they just understood who it is, that doesn't, he doesn't see all the filthy rags and all that stuff. He sees his creation. He sees what you can be. How he looks at us is not how I look at each one of you. He looks at each one of you in a completely different way. He loves us. He cares for us. People always say it will take, I want to read this, we'll take a miracle to change him. We'll get ready because we're about to see some new wine. We're about to see a lot of new people, a lot of new creations in Christ. We're going to see it in this church. We're going to see it happening in the area. We're going to see God move. And I think... You know, people can sit back, well, y'all have been saying that for a while now, and it's like, yeah, 
we have been saying it for a while now and we still believe it. And as soon as y'all will get on board and believe it with us, it'll come a whole lot quicker. Next miracle, Matthew 14, 13 through 21. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. When the crowds, But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Have you ever thought about some of these verses? Like, we read through the scriptures, and we see the miracles where he healed people, and we're like, oh, he probably healed 15, 20 people. He spent days, all day, sitting on a hillside, standing or sitting, whatever he was doing, laying hands on the sick. Hundreds and hundreds of people a day, probably, laying hands on them. We don't think about that. I don't think about that. We just read the stories, and that's what he did. No, there's so much more to this. You have to read between the lines a little bit. He laid hands on so many people. He changed so many people's lives. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, I love this, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. Who's he speaking to? His disciples. What are we? His disciples. What are we supposed to be doing? Feeding the world. Feeding them. Giving them something to eat. There's so many lessons in the scriptures we read right over it every single time we read the scriptures. We are supposed to be feeding them. They're like, send them away, Lord. In other words, I'm done. I'm tired. I don't want to mess with them today. And Jesus says, no, you go feed them. I've been up here laying hands on people all day long. It's time for you guys to do some work. What kind of food do we have? What do we have for these guys? Well, here's what we got. And what does he do? He performs another miracle. Let's read about it. They said to him, we only have five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So that means there was more than 5,000 people there, right? Probably talking upwards of double that, if not more. So if every man there had a wife, there's 10,000. If they all had at least one kid, you know, just start adding it up. There was a lot of people there that day. So that day, over 5,000 people ate and were filled. Nobody left wanting. Nobody trying to steal the leftovers, right? Nobody trying to get an extra loaf of bread to take home with them. They were all fed because when Jesus feeds you, you get full. When he feeds you, you're filled. Jesus still fills us every single day. But he calls us to go and to feed. He tells us, no, you go give him something to eat. We we are that light right now. He's not physically here. He's physically here through us. It's our job. He's building a kingdom here. He's trying to reach people. He's trying to show the hungry people that he can feed them. He's trying to show the sick people that he can heal them. 
And you know what? He can't do that with us just having church on Wednesdays and Sundays. It takes more out of a believer than Wednesday and Sunday. Oh, but that's hard. Well, he's pretty sure there's scriptures in there. He never said it was going to be easy. Things get hard. It's not supposed to be easy. When you're called to something greater than what you are, that means that there's going to be challenges in it. It's just like your job. When you're called to a job that's above everybody else, you're called to greater challenges than everybody else. As a believer, you're called to greater challenges than the rest of the world. And you know what your greater challenges are? Getting those sick people help, getting them fed, getting them what they need, being a doctor to them. Being the healer to them, being the chef to them, the people that need to be fed. Where did I leave off at? <laughs> okay, so uh, I want to go to another scripture, John chapter 14, and we're going to wrap up here. John chapter 14, verse 12 through 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. He's telling us something right there, guys. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Does it say maybe do? It says I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That day when he fed the 5,000, we'll just say 5,000, all right? You know what wasn't there that day? And I, this is where we're, we're getting to unity here, guys. There wasn't one Baptist there that day. There wasn't a Methodist there that day. There wasn't a Pentecostal there that day. There wasn't a Catholic. There wasn't a Lutheran. And there wasn't any non-denominationals there that day. You know what was there? Hungry people. Nothing there but a bunch of hungry people. The scripture just told us greater things we will do when he's not here with us anymore. He has given us the power and the authority to do the things, greater things than what he did. <sighs> Y'all ain't hearing me, are you? Jesus healed the sick. Jesus raised the dead. He gave blind people their sight and so on and so on. The cripple got up and walked. Now on the spiritual level, look at this from the spiritual aspect. I believe that we can lay hands on people and they will get healed. I believe we can do all of those things through him. Not that it's our glory. It's in his name, his power, his glory, everything that it all happens. That's on the spiritual level of things. But I want to take a look somewhere else. Because this is where the church is failing miserably. And I know I'm right. And I know everybody in here is going to agree with me probably. But... On a spiritual level, I believe we can do all those things in accordance to his will. But can you imagine the impact that the body of Christ would have if we came together in what we could do? Now, I'm not talking next level freedom church, not just talking next level. If we came together as a whole body of Christ, online audience, I'm speaking to you because we're next level here. Out there is everything Everything else, amen, the, the, the rest of the body of Christ. Can you imagine how many hungry people we could feed if we all come together and stopped crying about what kind of clothes we were wearing when we stepped into the pulpit 
and stopped crying about all of the little, the color of the carpet or the color of the pews and all of the stupid stuff that people argue about. And don't tell me I'm wrong because I've been in a church and I've watched it happen time and time again. There's a place for meetings and business stuff to take care of that stuff. But it is not important when it comes to talking about the body of Christ and what we are supposed to be doing. Can you imagine the sick people that we could get hospital care for that can't afford it? If the body of Christ would come together. Now, I believe that we can lay hands on people and watch them get healed. But I also believe Jesus gave the doctors wisdom. And I've watched the doctors diagnose people and heal people and, you know, watch them get healed and get them the proper medications and things that they need. Because sometimes that's how God chooses to do it. Why? I don't know. I'm not God. But can you imagine the amount of people we could get the care that they needed how many people could we get clean water to because there's all these separate ministries i can think of a couple of them right now that are digging wells in different places around the world can you imagine what would happen if all the ministries come together and started doing that can you imagine what we could do in jackson missouri if we'd get every church in cape and jackson area to come together and say, you know what, let's feed the neighborhood. Let's put all of our resources together and not care about who's in charge and who's doing this and whose church is going to get all the members that come in from this. And we just got together and fed people. Do you imagine what we could do as a body of Christ? How many people could we get off the streets? I have no idea how many homeless people are in this area. I'm not from this area. I'm up north a little bit. I have no idea how many people are in Jackson Cape area that are homeless, but I know it exists because I have seen some of it. Can you imagine what we could do as a body of Christ? There's no sense in our veterans being homeless. There's no sense in anybody struggling. Church, the early church in the book of Acts, they got together and they shared every single thing they had. You know what they were? They weren't Baptists. They weren't Methodists. They weren't Pentecostal, Catholics, or Lutherans. They were the body of Christ. And look what they accomplished. Look, Think about it. Look what they accomplished. Here we are 2,000 years down the road. They started the church. They started with sharing everything they had. Every dime they had, every morsel of food they had, everything went into a collection and they shared it. I'm almost done. I don't want to quit, but I'm going to quit here in just a minute. But there's some things that got to be said. Because we're too busy worried about who we are. Too busy worried about what our church is doing. Because it's all about us. And I'm not, just, I'm, not, I'm not putting Next Level Freedom Church down. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking collectively church after church after church is what I'm saying. Because you know what? We're not Baptist. I grew up in a Baptist church. I, I, I'm not dogging denominations or anything like that. But what I'm trying to tell you is it, it's not about you being a Baptist or you being a Methodist or you being a Pentecostal or a Catholic or a Lutheran or whatever it is. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. If that's your identity, then you've missed it anyway. Your identity is not found in your church. Your identity is found in Jesus Christ. 
I love church. Don't get me wrong. I love the church, the body of Christ. Don't get me wrong, please. We are the body of Christ. We're put here to feed his sheep. That's what he told Peter. Do you love me? When he asked him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He said, feed my sheep. Are we feeding his sheep? Because there's so many aspects to that. Yes, standing up here delivering a word is feeding the sheep. Leading people through worship is feeding the sheep. But feeding the sheep sometimes means feeding the sheep because they're hungry. Because they need help. They need, a, they need food. They need water. They need lodging. They need clothes. They need all of these things. But you know what? We can't do it by ourselves. Because there's 50 million i don't know how many different churches and denominations and everyone thinks they're right and they won't come together with little churches they won't come together with big churches because they're going to lose members they're worried about all these foolish things while people die for stupid reasons like being hungry we're the body we're put here to build a kingdom to change the hearts of people by showing them who the miracle worker is. We only talked about like three miracles tonight. There was at least 38. And maybe I could have picked some ones that were, oh, Jesus, now he can walk. You know, Jesus laid hands on him and now he can walk. Those are miraculous things. But I picked these three because they spoke to me. They made me really think about where the body of Christ is supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing. Through Jesus, we can change this world one miracle at a time. You are fully capable of performing a miracle. If the Son of God resides inside of you, you are fully capable of laying hands on somebody in the name of Jesus and watch them get healed, watch them walk, watch them receive sight. You're also fully capable of reaching into your pocket or taking some of the blessing that he's blessed you with and give it to somebody else. That's how we feed his sheep one miracle at a time. If you're listening online tonight and you don't know this Jesus that we're talking about, I want you to know him because he's amazing. It's real simple. All you got to do is ask him into your life. You just say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that you died and I know that you rose for me. Come into my heart and change my life and be Lord of my life. In Jesus name. Amen. It's that simple. It's not the words I said. It's what you say between you and God. It's a life that you choose to live. If you said that prayer, now you have a great gift. You get, you get to go to heaven. That's amazing. But you've got the gift of the Holy Spirit living inside of you that wants to work through you and help change this world one miracle at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless. We will see you next time.